Well, good morning. Uh, it's awesome to be with you guys. My name is Alan, and I've kind of gotten to see the developing story of Trace from when it was just a conversation with Aaron over coffee as an idea, this dream of what Trace Church might be, and then to see you guys, to be with you guys from time to time and teach. Uh, it's a blast for me to see what God is doing right here. And to kick off this series uh, this month, this is going to be a great month um, here at Trace, but let me just acknowledge this. As we talk about joy I understand fully that for some of you, this is a really hard time of year. Some of you guys had an unbelievable week and it was amazing and you had people in your home and it was chaos like in my home and it was beautiful and you had tons of food and for others that brought an awkwardness in the family or reminder of broken relationships. We understand that that is the context of this. But let's just acknowledge Thanksgiving's a weird week, right? Like within a couple days, here's kind of the image that I see both sides of this split image that can happen many times where it's like, ah, Thanksgiving. And did any of you go out and like battle the crowds Black Friday? No judgment. Okay, some of you are lying, but that's okay. Do business with God. It's, it's not a sin to go out of Black Friday, but it is a battle uh, for many of you. And as we think through joy today, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna laugh a little bit, but we're gonna discuss. So I wanna start first with a couple minutes of you guys to turn to somebody else next to you and you're like, are you serious? We have to talk to someone this morning. Yes, I know it's like introverts nightmare this morning at Trace, but I'm gonna ask you to discuss for a few minutes what steals your joy. Meet somebody, maybe it's somebody you already came to church with this morning, but talk for a few minutes on this question of what steals your joy. Go. All right, so I'm gonna be vulnerable with you guys a little bit today. Here's the context. I have four kids and they've been off school for a long time. It feels like millennia, they've been off school. Um, so here are just a few things that are stealing my joy these days. Um, food, like food in a family of six, like is a big deal. You can go ahead and starve, right? It's like, I don't understand it, but like food's not a big deal. They don't wanna eat until bedtime. So this next one, like, are you kidding me? It's time for bed. You go to a party and we all leave stuffed. And like, kids, you had one job and it was to eat a bunch of their food so we don't have to eat ours, come home. The next one is this, are you kidding me? There's toys everywhere, but I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what's going on. Entertain yourselves. When I was a kid, we played with stuff. I don't know about you. So anyway, a little bit of frustration there. Maybe you can feel some of that. Whatever steals our joy says a lot about us, but also whatever brings us joy says a lot about us as well. So let's flip that question. What brings you joy? Turn to the same person you just discussed with. Take another two minutes. What brings you joy? All right, uh, I hate to break it up. Hey, great news. You can continue these conversations later on what brings you joy. Again, I'm gonna share mine with you. Uh, Anybody identify like the like a bucket of coffee? Okay, yeah, you're like, amen, all right, like that's why you guys are second service people. I get this, okay? Huge bucket of coffee, like I'm a fan, you know, taste and see, the Lord is good. Um, also another one, I can't explain it, but I've just got a thing for tacos. Anybody else? Like I, I can't understand God. Why did you put some of your greatest gifts into this little thing called a taco? So like a full table with people around it, oh my goodness, this brings me a ton of joy. And of course, the next one, uh, is it just me or did mom seem a little too happy about the first day of school, right? Like when it's time, all right? And you're thinking, man, like this guy 
is a terrible father, okay? Maybe I'd make you feel a little bit better. Like, we're about to make families win here. We want families to win, just trying to be honest. Sometimes it helps to just acknowledge that life is not perfect. As the season says, you hear uh, in the background, in the foreground, in carols, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And again, I acknowledge that for some of you, it is the most awkward time of year. It is the most financially stressful time of year. And it is not all good or it is not all bad. It is a complicated time of the year. And so as we think through joy, the context of this is so helpful for us. We're gonna hear from the Apostle Paul and his context is a whole lot different from our context here today. But before we start in on this Joy Bomb series, I want to tell you what I don't believe joy is. Number one is a fake smile. Like, how you doing? You're like, everything's great, right? That fake smile, it's all good. No, it's not. You know you're lying through your teeth. But it is not uh, this fake posturing that everything's fine, everything's okay in our life. We're not talking about that. The second thing we're not talking about is kind of that like camp counselor type friend that you have who's always happy. Anyone have like a perpetually happy friend? You're like, I don't get it. Like, do they drink some kind of different coffee than I do? Do they sleep like 14 hours a day? I don't get it. But they're just perpetually happy. That's not what we're talking about either. That's awesome for them. They've been given a gift, but most of us do not have that gift. And the last one is a constant search for happiness. It isn't this idea that everything in life is up and to the right all the time. That if you're feeling great about yourself, if you're feeling good about your family, if the bank account is full, if you're fulfilled at your job, then I will be happy or lest I say joyful or joy-filled. That's not what we're talking about. But there's, there's this interesting idea. When I say joy, some of you may think of this character right here, Marie Kondo, who asks you to take a look at everything in your house, doesn't matter, your closet, your junk, your garage, and say, does this spark joy? That's an interesting thought because in America, we tend to think if you have more, then it's better. More, more, more. You know what more, more, more has given us? Stress and anxiety and overwhelm. And so let's not let it be lost on us that in this culture of excess, of so much, we also have an excess of anxiety. We have never, never had the kind of riches that we do the kind of prosperity that we do today in North American culture, and we've never had the kind of anxiety that we do today. Think about the tension of that. There is a joy that is deeper than what you can consume, what you can buy, and what you can experience, and we're gonna see it here within Scripture. Now, let me make a differentiation between happy and joyful. I think this is really helpful for us. So happy is a temporary condition. Do tacos make me happy? Oh, yes. Does a huge cup of coffee make me happy? Yes, but that is a temporary condition. What happens when I come off of that meal? What happens when I don't have any more of that coffee, that experience, that feeling, that emotion? But joy, joy is an intentional choice. And let me introduce this word to you today, struggle. <laughs> that you can be in the midst of struggle and still experience joy. You can be saying life is not happy right now, or perfect right now, or up and to the right, everything great, and yet I am choosing joy. And so today, we are going to hear from Paul. Now, he's in a prison when he writes this. He's in a prison when he writes this. He's not like on a webinar talking about North American life 
and here's what you should be thinking and doing and feeling. He's in a rough spot and an incredibly joyful letter, perhaps his most joyful letter that he sends out to the churches. Here's what Eugene Peterson says about Philippians. He says, Paul does not tell us we can be happy or how to be happy. He simply and unmistakably is happy. None of his circumstances contribute to his joy. He wrote from a jail cell. His work was under attack by competitors. And after 20 years or so of hard traveling in the service of Jesus, he was tired and would have welcomed some relief. We are not slave to our circumstances. That is good news for us this morning. In a room this size, I know that some of you walk in and you wrestle every single day with fear. You struggle every single day with anxiety. Some of you struggle with depression, either diagnosed or undiagnosed. It is becoming an epidemic in our culture today. And there is great news for us that we are not slave to our circumstances as Paul was not slave to his. That's good news for us today. So let's start in. This is Philippians chapter one, starting in verse one. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Now let me stop there. That's an interesting word when he's writing about joy to say we are joyfully slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Give you grace and peace. Here's the context. Paul could have been thinking about himself. Instead, he is thinking about them. He is writing you. He has actually been praying for them. He's been thinking about them instead of thinking about himself. How did I end up in this mess? Woe is me. He is praying for them. And that's the thread of the storyline throughout this whole letter. It says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with what? Joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That is a joy bomb. I don't know about you, but if I were in prison, I probably would not be spending all that much time praying for other people. I'm just being honest. Maybe you would. Maybe you're more externally focused than I am. But look at him. He's saying, my joy is complete. I see what God is doing in you. I pray for you. The secret to joy is not filling ourselves, but is pouring ourselves into the lives of others. The most joyful people I know don't choose to live within their circumstances, but they choose to honor God in their circumstances. They point to others. They, they don't just think about themselves. Now, Think about the blessings already that he's pointing out. He's saying, I'm God's kid, I'm in Christ Jesus, and I have this beautiful web of community around me that, that I am loved and I get to love. One of the deepest human desires to know and be known, and he is saying, I am praying for you. Feeling bummed out, feeling anxious, feeling stressed, pour your life into other people. Serve, give in this season. And, and we talk about it in the holiday season, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we say these little things, but do we actually believe it? That what God has put into us, the blessings, dare I say, that we can pour them out to other people. 
Gratitude is the antidote for stress and anxiety. We live with stress. We live with anxiety. The antidote is gratitude. Now, I'm not talking about diagnosed anxiety and depression. Thank God that there are doctors, there's medicine. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about this low-grade anxiety that sort of churns within us. I should be doing more. I should be comparing myself to somebody else. I should be experiencing something more, buying something more, having more in my bank account. Whatever anxieties are welling up in you as I say those things, the antidote is gratitude. To say, God, thank you for what you've given me. And we're gonna talk about some of those things that regularly steal those away. But again, we're the most affluent culture perhaps that has ever existed. And yet we are probably the most anxious culture that has ever existed. And it's always convicting when I or a friend goes to a third world country and and you hear this thing, I couldn't believe how much joy they had. How much joy they had. People who have very little, who are in a hard circumstance, have so much joy. And we have an inverse relationships relationship many times. We're thinking joy equals happy, right? My circumstances, if they're just good enough, I will be joyful enough. And that is a lie, my friends. Paul continues on. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. There Paul goes again. He's thinking about them. He's praying for them. He's deflecting their prayers. This is ironic, guys. They are out there praying for him in there. And he's in there praying for them. Isn't that interesting? That, that he could have been taking on this, oh, woe is me, and oh, this is, this is so hard, and this is so sad. I wish I could be out there doing God's work. And he is praying for them to continue on in the faith, for them to grow, for them to mature, for them to develop almost like a father or a caring uncle to their lives. And here's what I know about suffering, is that although it is really hard, those who are suffering have an advantage. They have influence. Let me say it a different way. When you suffer and people know it, they are watching your life. They wanna see how you respond. Now maybe it's a debilitating injury for you that others can see. Maybe it's a diagnosis of cancer or some other illness that nobody wants to be diagnosed with. Maybe it's the sinking feeling of a relationship breaking apart and people are watching how you respond. Maybe it's a grief, a death, a loss of a friendship or a family member, whatever that might be. When we are suffering, we have a unique influence. People are watching. People are watching to see, is there joy in the midst of that? They know it's hard. And I don't believe people right now are looking for this fake, happy, clappy Christianity. Like sometimes those words are hard to sing. We just sang that he is good. And some of you deep down are saying, I don't know if I can say that right now. Take your doubts and take your struggle to God and lean in. Paul continues to say, for I want you to understand what really matters. Let me stop there. In suffering, we begin to understand what really matters. He's wanting them to zoom out and say, forget your circumstances for just a moment. Good, hard, or otherwise, 
what really matters and he focuses them back on the truth so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Joy bomb, right? He's saying all of this, I can already see that God is pouring into me. I can pour it out to you guys and others that God is already using this. Guys, this message today, just so you know, is crazy talk. Like this is countercultural because it is not self-help that everything you know, in your life is gonna be great and you can do this, you can be whatever you wanna be. There are hard things and there is struggle in the midst of life and it doesn't help to just say, no, everything's gonna be perfect all the time. But may we, as followers of Jesus, be the people that lean in in the struggle, that zoom out and say, but I've been given life and breath. If you got out of bed this morning, which I'm pretty sure all of you did, if you got out of bed, you still have blood pumping through your body. You still have breath in your lungs. You've got work to do, but you also have been given a gift from God. I get to spend time with my son this morning. And I just thought, man, like what an incredible kid. Like what a gift to have an hour to spend alone with my son. Like what a gift that is that I forget on a regular basis. That I often feel like get those kids back to school or whatever else, right? The, the things that we think and God reframes us. Think about what God has done to be able to zoom out and see a bigger picture. Now, let me mention three joy stealers that I regularly see. Now, not only the little things that get in, and scripture says it's the little foxes that get in and they spoil the harvest in our lives, but joy stealer number one is worry. Now, I would just define worry as what you can lose. That's what we think about when we worry. Here's what I could lose. If you are a chronic worrier, then set your sights not on what you could lose, but what is, has been given. The second one is comparison. Comparison is just simply what others have and I don't. Because the more I see that others have this, right? This full bank account, this amazing new house, car, whatever, a more functional family than mine. And that's probably not true, by the way, right? Like social media feeds don't tell the full truth. That's selective truth that we compare ourselves and see, here's what they have and I don't. And the last one is scarcity. Scarcity is just simply what will run out. Let me tell you what, there's no scarcity of God's love for you in your life. There is no scarcity of that. And many times we try to grab onto things thinking, oh, if I don't control this enough, then it will just float out of my fingers. This month, you guys as a church will be taking risks to drop some joy bombs on other people all throughout our city. And the fear is keep it all for myself instead of giving it away. That's not how joy works. It's given, not hoarded. We give it away. Now, all of us are gonna wrestle with those three, but one of those may just jump up to the top for you. You may be a worry wart regularly for whatever reason, you may think about comparison. You may think about scarcity more than the other. But say, what is getting in there and stealing away the joy that God wants to develop? Because joy isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you choose. We choose joy. Now, there's good news for us this morning. There's this joy bringer. Not just the joy stealer. The joy bringer is this gratitude. Gratitude. 
And in gratitude, we remember what we've been given. I wanna challenge you this week to remember what you've been given, to make a gratitude list. We talk about Christmas lists in the season. My son sat on Santa's lap yesterday and not only did he say like a lot of things that he's probably not gonna get, please don't tell him that this morning, but a lot of things he's probably not gonna get, but also they're like weird. You're like, what? Why would you want that? You're an old soul. Like, you know, but there, there are things that we're sort of setting ourselves up for disappointment. Gratitude is the opposite. Here's what I have been given. And how many times we look past that because of scarcity, comparison, or worry. Satan loves those things because they twist what God has done. Here's what I don't have, but look what you've been given. Look at the favor of God you've been given. Paul is saying, look what I've been given. I've been given so much. And he's gonna go on to say it could all be taken away, but is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? And I believe Paul is saying he is. Look at these statements, the rest of the chapter. Verse 13, he says, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. They're saying if Paul can do it, look, look how he's sort of spread this movement within prison. Verse 18, whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. 21 and 22, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. He's saying, I'm okay either way, whatever God decides. When I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. And verse 29, you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. I dare say, we don't think that way. I've been given the privilege of suffering. Maybe there's something that you are wrestling through in your life right now. You are suffering through, you are struggling through. And I wanna encourage you, struggle well, my friends. I don't see in the pages of scripture that life becomes perfect once you come to know Jesus, but that we have someone to walk through the struggle with. Paul's writing as a man who understands what truly matters and what he has been given. And he continues to pour out, even from a jail cell, in letters. Paul continues to say this, which is kind of mind-blowing. He says this, not as someone that says, it's all perfect, it's all good, I'm happy, it's up and to the right. He says this instead, we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. He's not saying I'm getting out Tuesday and I've been delivered from the struggle. He's saying I'm still in it, but I want to struggle well. My friends, may you struggle well in this week, in this season. And here's what I believe. Guys, I believe people are not looking for joy that pretends like life isn't hard. People are looking for joy amidst the hard, right? Like it doesn't do any good to say everything's all good and it should be for you too. We're, we're gonna hide those things deep down. He's saying there's struggle, I get it, I understand it and God is there amidst the struggle because Jesus is enough. Listen to how C.S. Lewis defines joy. He says, it is a byproduct. Its very existence presupposes that you desire not it but something other 
and outer. Guys, joy is not what we should be aiming after. Like, how can I get as joyful as possible? How can I get as happy as possible? The sure sign to have a miserable life is to try to grab as much happy for yourself as you can all the time. Happy, 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 more, you're gonna find yourself not having any of that happiness, not having any of that joy that you were chasing. But what gets us joy is gratitude to realize we are a son and daughter of the king. And God has been given or given us work to do. That, that we are to continue to share and spread that joy like you guys this month, dropping joy bombs all over. Friends, neighbors, our community, to be pouring out. That is where the magic happens. That is when God transforms us as we say, I've been blessed to what? Be a blessing to other people. James chapter one says this, consider it pure joy not partial joy, not slivers of joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I see perseverance in Paul's words. I see a man who has a weathered faith, who has a faith that has been through it all. I mean, look at Paul's journey. It's unbelievable what happened to him. Like, talk about a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad life in many ways. Like, the stuff that happened to Paul is unbelievable. And yet he has this tested and weathered faith. Guys, I wanna give you a challenge this month. Develop a gratitude list and thank God for it every single day. What if you could do that? We're starting December right now. What if you could thank God every single day for two or three things? Maybe start with the fact, God, thank you that I'm alive. I woke up this morning. Thank you that you've given me a roof over my head when it's cold outside. Like I have extra food in my fridge today. It's crazy. Like there's more than my family could eat in one meal in my fridge today. Like think about how rare that is in the world and how normal that becomes to us. Make a gratitude list, lean in and thank God for that. Now there's good news I think is that I think it's not dependent in our lives and just acting the part. I see these two images and I think the first one, our culture says this, good vibes only. It's all good, it's all good, bro. Like everything's great, right? Fake smile, even when I don't believe it. Life's falling apart, but it's all good, you know? Like I'm just gonna act like everything's good. What this says to me is only bring the good attitude here. Only bring the good stuff. Like I don't really wanna hear it if it's bad. I can't handle that. That's not what God says. I believe the message is this, Choose joy, choose joy. This is a real picture from my house that fell off the wall and shattered this week. And I was like, hmm, okay, God, I get it. Like choose joy amidst the brokenness of your life, amidst the hard things in your life. And there's great news. Joy is a choice. Life could be falling down and falling apart all around you. And we get the choice. There, there is this great choice that we're faced with every single morning every single week, every single season of our lives, and it is this. Will we choose to be dictated by our circumstances or be dictated by what God has done for us? What will you choose to see? We choose to see what you don't have and everybody else does? Or, or would you choose, would we choose to be people who say, God, thank you for this, even when life is hard, even when I have to gut it through in this season and push hard, God has been so good to us. 
May we be people who choose joy, even when life is really hard. Let me pray that over us. God, I thank you for this community. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people here. And would they choose joy? God, amidst the hard in life, amidst the stress and amidst the anxiety, would we choose gratitude to thank you for what you've done? God, we pray in advance over everything that Trace is going to do, the joy bombs are gonna drop this whole month. God, would you bring so much fruit to a world that desperately needs to see a joy that is bigger than the circumstances. God, make us people who are thankful, who are grateful for what you've been given and who are not dictated by our circumstances, but instead by what we have been given by you, our Father. In your name, amen.